The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. So, good evening and welcome to the Buddha Loka Centre at the Buddhist Society of Victoria. And uh, so this is a welcome to 2023 and uh, what a good way to start 2023 with uh, meditating together. That's a wonderful way to begin the year. And I think uh, hopefully it will continue <laughs> the momentum. And for those that don't know me, uh, my name is Ajahn Nisarano, and I'm the senior monk at Newbury Buddhist Monastery, which is the monastery that is part of the uh, Buddhist Society of Victoria. So, and I've been associated with them for ever so long. <laughs> Can't hear, right? Maybe a little bit closer. Is that better? Right, yeah. Up, you reckon? Is that better? Can people hear? Yeah. Can it sound all right? Yeah. Can you hear? All right. Maybe a little bit more sound. Once I uh, do the guided meditation, it gets even quieter. So <laughs> you may hear this, mm, mm. <laughs> think, what was that about? <laughs> so there we are. So um, yes, I'm Anjana Sarano, the senior monk at Newbury Buddhist Monastery. So, and I have been, as I mentioned, associated with the Buddhist Society for a long, long time. So I've seen it grow over the years. And so uh, this is a very good way to make the new year really good because uh, we are developing the mind and when we're meditating. Of course, we're developing it in peace, hopefully, and clarity and bringing happiness or joy to the mind. This is the, what meditation is aiming at. And I call that interior decoration. <laughs> Well, sometimes uh, uh, we could call it the Buddha's beauty parlor for making the mind beautiful because the mind is really where our experience of the world comes from, doesn't it? You know, if the mind is in a very bad state, depressed, low energy, the world will appear like that. We'll see plenty of proof from our perceptions of that in the world. But if our mind is clear, peaceful, happy, content, that's how we will experience the world. And I think each and every one of you has, has seen this, you know, uh, probably with people that you're close to, uh, people that you work with, that the states of our mind really does determine how we experience the world. Of course, there's a real world out there, some teachings, don't they? They say that the world is illusory that uh, it's, it's just an illusion, it's Maya. But there is a world out there. <laughs> what we make of it can be very, very different for each and every person. So it's, uh, it's very important to, to realise, when we realise that, then we put the emphasis on developing our inner world. This is the way we can make a difference to our experience of life. And so we realise that the mind is really filtering what we experience in life and it depends on the filter we're putting on the, our minds, whether it's a, a positive filter or a negative filter as to what we will experience in our uh, life. 
And so it's a very uh, important teaching of the Buddha. It comes from the Dhammapada. I think many of you have heard about the Dhammapada. It's a collection of verses of the Buddha and uh, that he gave on different occasions and on different themes. But the very first uh, uh, teaching in that uh, collection of verses is that the mind is the forerunner. It's the mind that determines our experience. And uh, I'll just read that one out because it's such a good one. This translation I quite like too. All experience is preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speak or act with a corrupted mind and suffering follows as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of the ox. And so this is really making it very clear that the mind, the quality of our minds is what is determining the way we see the world, but not only the way we see the world, but the way we act in the world. You know, uh, if we have very angry, negative states of mind, then our actions of body, speech and mind will probably follow with that. And we will say things that hurt others, maybe hurt ourselves. Sometimes the things we say to ourselves are pretty bad. (laughs) So it's it's really uh, uh, something that uh, we can see in our lives, how important the state of our mind is. And often people don't realise that they can influence the state of the mind We can by what we focus on. And this is, of course, a very important teaching of the Buddha, that what we focus on will tend to be, will tend to grow, will tend to become the inclination of the mind. So this evening, I thought the theme for this evening, I was actually going to use it for the New Year's Eve, but there was no time for it, for the guided meditation. We ran out of time. So is uh, stopping or pausing now, this is something that uh, is probably uh, um, unfamiliar with us. I think sometimes we use this notion of stopping or pausing in our lives because we feel, don't we, most of us feel that the momentum of life is such that we need to put a break on it. And why? For our mental health. And this is a, just to take a break. I call this, uh, well, Ajahn Samedo, a famous uh, American monk in, who lives in England now. He's lived in Thailand, lived in, and now he's back in England. He calls it a holiday for the heart. A holiday for the heart. Evidently, this is a term they use in Thailand uh, for meditation. And so when we stop or pause, we're actually slowing down that momentum in our life. And uh, as I was emphasizing during the New Year's Eve a program here, that in that way we can see what's really important in our lives, what we need to do, where we need to go. Sometimes when the momentum of our lives, the speed of our lives is so fast, it's very hard to slow down and see what we really need to do. And, of course, uh, um, this feeling, if uh, stopping or pausing is really... Are related brings up can bring up a feeling for us, and of course, uh, stopping or pausing is really equivalent to letting go, <laughs> letting go. And this happens when the mind sees things clearly. When the causes and conditions are right, then letting go will happen. And of course, when we stop and when we pause, it, it's it's a energy of peace 
brings peace, more stillness, more steadiness to the mind, and a sense of freedom. <laughs> That's what the letting go often gives us, a sense of freedom. And, uh, of course, what we can do to help stop or pause in our life is use mindfulness. Mindfulness allows us to be in the present moment. That's the focus for us. And so we can, as it were, put the, uh, the past and the future can stop or really just pause or reduce. That's pretty good uh, for us. And, of course, meditation is, you know, the, the best way to, for the mind to stop and to, or to pause. Sometimes people find stopping, the idea of stopping is a bit confronting, too much. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's something that we often feel we need, especially when things are getting out of hand. <laughs> so, and so these are, these are good ways for us to, to stop. And, of course, spending time on our own, that's a good way to slow down, isn't it? And to pause, to stop, and uh, allowing time for that. And being in nature, of course, is a great way of slowing down. Getting in uh, harmony with nature, really. It's very healing and very calming. I think most people, when they uh, go to a, na a park or uh, in, in a national park, in, in the bush, or whatever it is, then they feel this sort of calmness and peace coming to them. And Ajahn Brahm, he's always very inventive. He says, when we see stop lights and when we see stop signs, we can be reminded, stop, <laughs> stop going off to the past, going off to the future, just to be here. And that gives us a break because really when we're in the past and the future, wow, can the mind really spin on, can't it? Especially about the future, it can make us incredibly anxious and worried about what's going to happen, what could happen. Sometimes we can get very excited about it, but it really can um, uh, speed up the mind. And sometimes thinking about the past, what we've done and said particularly, uh, can do the same. It can lead to this agitation or restlessness in the mind, which is one of the obstacles for meditation. So, and sometimes people may feel the idea of stopping or pausing, is, it's irresponsible. <laughs> you know, we can't really do that. But of course, we have to take those breaks. That's why we have holidays, isn't it? And these sorts of things. We need to, uh, to have time where we slow down, we pause. Though often, when people go on holidays, they tell me this actually, they're busier than they are in everyday life sometimes. They come back exhausted. <laughs> They've had so many activities. They've seen so many things, done so many things. They come back and they need, they need a holiday. <laughs> so this is... A, but when we do stop, it obviously improves the quality of our lives and affects the uh, other people. Because the quality of our life, uh, especially those that are close to us, it can have a real impact on them. So you often hear, or I've heard of, Ajahn Brahm often mentions that the people say to, uh, uh, say, a family member, Oh, please, go and meditate, go and meditate. When you come back, you're so much, so much better, you know, so much easier to live with. Sounds terrible, doesn't it, when you put it that way? <laughs> Maybe they're trying to get rid of them, that's what I think. <laughs> Especially if it's the kids, you think, what are they up to? <laughs>
But of course, it reduces our meditation is aimed at reducing our negative qualities, improving, bringing up clarity in the mind, bringing up peace in the mind. And so this is all very useful for our lives and for um, the people that we interact with. And of course, there's sometimes it's... Uh, it, we can ask why we can't stop, and uh, sometimes I think it's, we're afraid to stop because we may be afraid of boredom. And I think this is something that uh, is one of the biggest uh, um, things that confronts people. They, they don't want to be bored for a moment. And, uh, and it can be, of course, just being afraid of being with ourselves. That's, uh, that's something that uh, is, can be very, when we're with ourselves, just on our own, you know, we can find that frightening. So, but the, the main thing that makes it difficult for us to stop is just busyness, isn't it? Just momentum of our lives, the things we are doing in our lives. And of course, one of the big contributors, I think everybody probably... What do you think of a contributor to the speed of our lives these days? Radio. Radio. Radio, that's great. I mean, they had the radio for a long time. I think the internet, that was what I was thinking of. Because we're really, I remember when we used to write letters and if we got a reply in a week, we think, oh, that's great, isn't it? It's really quick. But today, if, they don't, if we don't get a reply to an email in a day, you know, we, we really wonder what's going on. Have we upset the person that we sent the email to? Have they died? <laughs> or something like that. We just can't believe it. And, uh, and, of course, our responsibilities are the things that keep us from stopping as well. But um, one of the big things, of course, is because of uh, internet and we and the smartphone particularly, we're really addicted, addicted to stimulation. And, you know, one of the images that you see, isn't it, very, very often is people looking at the smartphone or their device, as we call it now. It sounds sinister, doesn't it? Your device, that's what I... <laughs> But uh, this evening we will use actually the uh, image of putting a device, stopping a device or pausing it as an image for stopping. It may be helpful for us just stopping uh, for the time of the meditation. And of course, we, how do we uh, deepen our meditation and, and deepen the stopping? Of course, is, uh, deepening meditation, one of the key factors is our attitude to it. If it's work, it's no good. <laughs> it won't deepen. Uh, most people, uh, if they think it's work, they, they just want to keep it to the minimum. They won't won't want to keep doing it. It won't be won't be a motivation for developing the meditation. But if we enjoy meditation then if it becomes a hobby or if it becomes a, a place that we like to hang out, then we will really develop it and then it will develop, become deeper. Too often people, and this is one of the traps, is that they use willpower with meditation. So they, they really hammer their minds to stay on the object at all costs and they use a lot of force. And of course, the mind, like 
like anyone really that's forced to do things, will rebel. It won't enjoy this and therefore won't want to develop. The meditation won't develop and give rise to a sense of pressure. And also this is an unpleasant feeling. So eventually we let it go. And this is often the way, I think, with gyms and things like this. At New Year, there must be the, uh, all these subscriptions, all the gym uh, uh, signing up for gyms and so on must go up. But then, I'm sure after a month or less, the number of people who go to the gym really declines because they don't enjoy doing it. They think it's good for them. We think there's a lot of things that are good for us, but they're often they're the things we don't do. <laughs> We can't stick to it anyway, that's the main thing. So, of course, when we enjoy the meditation, we want to hang out there and we want to, it becomes our holiday, or that holiday for, becomes our hobby or a holiday for our hearts. So this is, this is something very pleasant and enjoyable. So this is what we aim to do. But, of course, another way we can deepen our meditation uh, is meditation retreats. Many people here been to a meditation retreat? Yeah, not so many actually. I thought I thought more people would have, you know. So it's a so meditation retreats are a great way of deepening the meditation and also overcoming blockages and finding different uh, ways of approaching the meditation that can be very helpful for us and. Uh, at Newbury uh, Buddhist Monastery, we, of course, we're building a retreat centre, meditation retreat centre, and you would have seen quite a bit of the advertising outside in the foyer. And, of course, this will be um, a place that will be up and running, we hope, in August or September. The date keeps drifting back. <laughs> and uh, so this, is a, this will be a place and met where we can uh, have self-retreats. That's when we have time to spend meditating. Um, so that's one possibility. And other times we can attend retreats led by different teachers, uh, including Ajahn Brahm. Sometimes just a weekend. I remember my first retreat. Yep. Oh, yes, there is a meditation day on Saturday. So that's a very good way to deepen your meditation. That's here, not at Newbury. It's here from 8.30 to 4.30 on uh, Saturday, this Saturday. So it's a great, uh, be an enjoyable occasion for you. So these uh, meditation retreats uh, are something we can encourage. And on New Year's Eve, I hope not too many of you were here. I said, Pina, you were here, I think. So that was it. I mentioned we need more stopping centres and less shopping centres. <laughs> and we need more, less retail therapy and more inhale and exhale therapy. That's the breath meditation. That's my, my attempt at humour. So there we are. And meditation as I mentioned, is all about stopping because we stop in the present moment. We're not stopping. We're setting up the mind so stopping happens. And then the past and the future can stop. By just focusing the mind, that's how it happens. You know, if we move to the present, then those, the past and the future, drop off or at least reduce. <laughs> and also when we stay with the meditation object, then the obstacles to meditation 
either stop, that'd be ideal, or reduce. And uh, also one of the big, big things that most meditators are looking forward to is the thinking, just reducing a bit, if not uh, um, stopping. Stopping is actually quite possible. And when meditators experience that, they think, how pleasant, how wonderful that the thinking stopped. But of course, the whole path of the Buddha is really about stopping. And uh, when we uh, become fully enlightened, what do we stop? That's yeah, good. Yeah. Our great hatred delusion. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Stop. All suffering as ceases, and uh, or the uh, repeated cycle of rebirth uh, finishes, stops. And also the defilements stop, and that's pretty, that's great. And the defilements are like greed, hatred, and delusion. They're the classic ones we, we mention. And these are the great disturbers of our life. <laughs> They're not, they are the, the troublemakers, really. And the big thing that often we mention stops is wanting or craving. And that is, that really brings peace to the mind when that fin finishes. So, and of course, this uh, stopping is more like a, a natural ceasing. It's not coming from willpower, it's coming from wisdom power. When the mind sees the nature of reality, this is what will happen at a very, very deep level. And so, i uh, just like to finish with me say, encouraging everybody in 2023 to devote more time to meditation and to really enjoy it. Because if you do, then you'll do more of it. If you find it work, you won't be so interested. We want to go on holiday. We want to take a rest. We need, the mind needs a rest, actually, because we use our minds almost 24-7, you could say, because even when we're asleep, the mind, the mind's busy, can be busy dreaming and all these sorts of things. So, so the, uh, we can look forward to or try um, to allow stopping or pausing to happen in in our in 2023 so we can see really we can see the dust settle and see what's really important in our lives so this is the theme for tonight stopping or pausing yeah so let's see if we if stopping or pausing can happen <laughs> so we can set up for the meditation and uh, it'll be about um, uh, 45 minutes we usually have the introduction, then uh, the guided meditation, and followed by um, comments, questions, and complaints. Complaints. So, first of all, we can uh, find a comfortable way of sitting, if you haven't already, and we can close the eyes. Mm. and to come into the present, to arrive here at this uh, meditation centre. Letting go of the past and the future, just being here now. And we can check out how the body is in the, here in the present moment. Is it uh, comfortable in the, the way we're sitting? 
Does it feel uh, balanced? And we can move the body or we can adjust the body, our posture, to feel more comfortable, to feel more balanced for the period of the meditation. Checking out how the head feels over the shoulders. Does it feel balanced, comfortable? And the shoulders over the hips. And the hands, whether they're on the lap or on uh, our knees. And the legs, how they feel. And making any adjustments that we need to. being kind to the body. Now we can relax the body mentally uh, from the top of the head to the tips of the toes, starting with the top of the head and the back of the head, side of the head, and giving this warm, relaxing attention to the top of the head, back of the head, and side of the head, soothing it with this kind, gentle attention. Moving the attention to the forehead around and the cheeks, around the eyes and around the mouth. And soothing those areas with this warm, relaxing attention. Now moving the attention down to the throat, all around the throat, the neck. Soothing it, giving it a mental massage. Relaxing, soothing the neck or throat. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder starting at the neck and moving our attention along the left shoulder to soothe it, to relax it, to let go of any tension 
or stiffness in the left shoulder, mentally massaging the left shoulder. Now I'm bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and moving our attention down the left arm all around it, giving it this kind, warm attention, including in the left arm, the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing them, relaxing them. Now bringing to mind the right shoulder, starting at the neck and moving our attention along the right shoulder and mentally massaging any stiffness, any tension in the right shoulder, letting go of the burdens of the day with this warm, kind attention. and bringing to mind the right arm, starting at the top of the right arm, and moving our attention down the right arm, all around of it, to include the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers, soothing them with this mental massage, relaxing the right arm. Now bringing to mind the back, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention down the back, relaxing and soothing the back with this kind, warm attention.
allowing any aches and pains to dissolve, soothing them, any tightness or tension, relaxing those areas. Now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders, and moving our attention down the front of the body to include the chest, diaphragm, stomach and abdomen, giving the front of our bodies this mental massage with kindness, with gentleness, with warmth. And now we can bring to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the leg to include the knee, the ankle, foot and toes. And using this warm, relaxing attention to soothe the left leg. And now we can bring to mind the right leg, starting at the top of the right leg and moving our attention down the right leg, all around it, to include the knee, ankle and the foot and toes, right to the tips of the toes, soothing the right leg, giving the right leg this mental massage with warmth and kindness. really allowing it to relax.
now we can bring to mind the whole body just sitting here and we can sink into the present moment like a comfortable armchair comfortable in the present moment And we can imagine pressing the stop button or the pause button or the power button on our device or timer. Just pausing it or stopping it. Like putting the past and the future on pause or on stop and just resting here in the present moment. And remembering we, there's absolutely nothing we need to do for now, for the pre- during this meditation. And there's nowhere we need to go now. We're just here. And you can get in touch with the feeling of stopping or pausing. It may be a feeling of peace or resting, taking a break. A feeling of happiness, taking time out. And when we become aware of the breath, we can breathe in this feeling of stopping or pausing, a feeling of letting go, of peace, of freedom, of rest. Breathing it in and then breathing out this feeling of stopping or pausing.
if the mind wanders off, we can just remember pressing the stop button or the pause button or the power button on our devices.
And now, as we are coming close to the end of the meditation, we can share whatever feeling or energy we experience from stopping or pausing in the meditation. Maybe a feeling of letting go of just peace or stillness, rest. And we can share it with everyone in this hall and with those online listening to this guided meditation. And we can radiate this feeling or energy in ever-widening circles to all the beings around wherever we are, expanding it, expanding it, radiating it further and further to cover the whole of this planet, this earth, Wishing they may experience this peace of stopping, this rest from pausing, this letting go, this freedom. And now we can reflect on how we feel now. Did I feel more relaxed, more at peace, more still? And what caused these feelings to arise and how do they affect the mind and we can the intention to stop or pause more often to develop this feeling 
of taking a break, resting in the present moment, letting things be for the time being. Now, when I ring the bell three times, you're welcome to come out of meditation if you wish. And we can slowly open the eyes and move the body to make ourselves more comfortable. <clears throat> so, I hope uh, people were able to uh, stop or pause uh, for a while and to experience some uh, peace and some stillness, some letting go. It's a very important thing for us to be able to do, not just physically, but to do mentally and then to regenerate our energy that way. The mind, of course, develops energy from staying still. And it becomes stronger and becomes more clear and peaceful. The body is a bit different. We have to exercise it to get stronger. <laughs> so now is the time uh, for if anyone has any comments or uh, uh, questions or complaints or anything else, really. Is there any question from the floor? Well, that's that's really good. It's a good good test because usually it's a sign that the thinking has died down somewhat. I think there is more peace in the mind. There is less uh, inner chatter, more less conversation about what's description about what's going on and all this, and that's a good sign. Because one of the things we need to do with meditation is notice the effect it's having on our body and mind. Um, and that way uh, we can appreciate it and encourages us to do more of it. Because we see it, yeah, it's actually working, you know. The mind is stopping a bit more, a bit more pausing. Um, to stop, really stop, now that's, that's quite uh, something that will really amaze us when thinking stops. It's a very extraordinary experience. And uh, we realize how noisy <laughs> our minds are, how active they are uh, with all this thinking, which we often think is so important. So I can, we can ask if there are any online questions. There always are. <laughs> There's a few online questions. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. See you then. Oh, yes. How to meditate when we experience abusive uh, verbal trauma from our family member? Just in general, how to meditate when our feeling is being hurt by someone else? 
Thank you so much, Ajahn. Yeah, no, that is difficult if we feel we're being uh, verbally abused or psychologically abused. It's very difficult to, uh, to uh, in that case, to meditate. We have to deal with that uh, feeling of um, maybe uh, disturbance, anger. Um, um, so the best, the best thing in that case is really, uh, it depends. If we're really um, upset, then, of course, uh, it's difficult to meditate and it may be easier to walk just to walk for a while, calm down, because that physical, that physical um, uh, activity can calm the mind down, as we do find. You know, people often just naturally, if they're in a lot of pain, you've seen it, I've done it, <laughs> you naturally pace up and down, and it does help. So walking, doing walking meditation can help just to relax the mind, to let go of the past and the future. Because always uh, when, we, um, when we have these sort of, uh, if we're experiencing abuse, physical, uh, uh, verbal abuse, hopefully not physical abuse, psychological abuse or whatever, coming to the present moment is a very good way of letting go of it, of going over it again and again, replaying it in our minds. And this is part of the problem with uh, trauma, isn't it, uh, we call it post, um, yes, you know, we replay that incident again and again and it just re-traumatizes us. So the more we can come to the present, the better. But of course at those times too, other things can be very useful, like just doing some deep breathing. Because when we deep breathe, when we just do some few deep breathing, breaths, sorry, uh, we come into the present moment because the breath's always here. The body is actually here all the time. The mind, well, that's another thing altogether. It can be off to the future, going over what um, you know our family member said or did that really upset us. So just taking some deep breaths can do, be very helpful. But always in these situations, we really need emotional first aid. And this is, of course... <laughs> Meta or kindness, friendliness to ourselves, soothing ourselves because we're the one that is feeling very upset, very hurt. And so this is where we need the medicine, actually, is where we, we're feeling it. Sometimes people think they should give meta to the person that's upset them. Wow, I think that's really difficult. It's really, it, to be genuine, it's really difficult. But to give a kindness, friendliness, be our own best friend to our, ourselves when we are upset, it can will be very, very helpful. You know, soothing, saying it'll be all right. Remembering people that have been very caring in our lives. There's often somebody that uh, we will calm us down. Maybe it's a grandparent or a friend, a dear friend. Just thinking of them can bring up this energy of soothing. Uh, of, of meta, of kindness, of friendliness. So this, these are very useful ways to deal with when we're feeling hurt, when we're feeling um, that uh, we've been abused, um, and and calm that uh, reaction to it. Um, so this is a very good way. We, when we do that, of course, it can change our relationship to the person that's. Uh, um, triggered this response in us, 
you know, then we may be able to deal with them in a better way and not just react. And <laughs> the usual reaction is to shout back and give them as good as what they gave us, you know, and uh, this, of course, is, as the Buddha says, there's no end to this negative feeling, this, this hate or this uh, abuse by just responding in a similar nature. And so this, this is a very useful way to uh, giving ourselves this friendliness, kindness, being our own best friend, or bringing to mind uncle or auntie or grandmother or whoever it is, <laughs> who really feel soothed us and calmed us down. Because when our mind is like that, it's like when we with a child in a way, when a child's really upset, you know, and a parent or whoever it is, is soothing them, calming them down. No, the monsters are okay. They've gone from under the bed, whatever it is. We're really calming down the mind. We're using whatever works for ourselves. It's got to be genuine to bring up this feeling of kindness, friendliness, being there for ourselves, um, and uh, that sense of safety that comes from that. So that's some uh, some things that we can use. It's very uh, difficult when we're upset, actually. So I think uh, often just things like walking, going going to a park or something like that, taking a break, um, uh, is often very very helpful. Yeah, you know, it helps us to stop or pause those feelings. So there we are. Thank you very much for that question. It's a question that comes up quite often for all of us. Oh, well, not hopefully not for all of us, but comes up quite frequently how to deal with these difficult situations. Yeah. Mm. So, are there any other questions? Yes. Would you, oh, from the floor. Good. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is something I wouldn't mind hearing your two cents on. And yep. um, it's just, just an, something that occurred to me that, um, well, and probably to many other people, yeah. uh, that, this, that there's nothing um, really fit to be called a self within this body-mind yeah. thing, which was, you know, me sitting on this cushion, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just that insight, wanting that idea at least, is dominant. Like, say, this, everything was this rise mm. and cease and nothing really yeah. stable or separate. That is, that's a very helpful perception, and uh, if it can become uh, a real understanding, our own understanding, it can be. That's liberation, really. It liberates us, because a lot of our suffering is because it's, it's pretty obvious we're taking things personally. We are owning things that we don't need to own, and uh, when we take things personally, that's when these uh, abuse, abuse, verbal abuse or psychological abuse can really, really hurt, because we're the target. It's me they're hurting. But if we understand that this body and mind are um, processes, they're a natural process, there is something inside each of us, because sometimes people, when they hear this non-self idea from the Buddha, which is really uh, deep, deep wisdom, they think, wow, I feel like there's somebody here or something here. And of course there is. There's our personality and our character. It's definitely here. But it's not permanent. It's not always going to be the same. And each and every one of us has probably experienced seeing, perhaps with our own character, but certainly with those around us, family members, friends, 
colleagues at work, how their character or personality has changed due to different causes and conditions in their lives. Sometimes for the better, they've met some uh, something in their lives or met a person in their lives that's really brought them out of themselves and their character can change and really develop uh, into something much more positive, more outward going perhaps. Or sometimes we see people who go in the opposite direction. Maybe they get into drugs or whatever. And, you know, that character that we knew just sort of disintegrates in our um, experience. They just seem to have lost those qualities that we associated with them. So this is the nature of, you know, a human experience. This, this character or personality is there. That's the accumulation. It's shaped by all our experience, by all our actions of body speech, and particularly our mind. You know, the, most of the suffering we experience is all about me and myself and, and uh, what I own and all this sort of thing. This is a lot of it. And if we actually see, well, this is personality and character here. Uh, but it's not a me or an I or a mine. I don't have to take everything so personally because we get we are very sensitive actually, and when we sometimes people think this talk about self is uh, very theoretical. But one of the really good tests for it is when somebody blames us, isn't it? Wow. You know, you know so people can have a theoretical idea of non-self, but then somebody says something, blames you, blames you for doing something. Maybe we did do it, maybe we didn't do it. If we didn't do it, we feel even more, <laughs> more uh, 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 angry or we can feel more upset, more sense of self, and we can see it. And I've been mentioning today a story, a lovely story that I think is brings this out, and it's, it's, all, it's all about self, too. It's a story from the Desert Fathers. It was in a book by um, that Thomas Merton, one of these famous, uh, famous Christian sort of uh, hermits. He was, belonged to a group that uh, uh, didn't speak much. They were very silent. They called the Trappists, that's it. However, as somebody said... Thomas Merton went on to write so many books, so many articles. He may not have been speaking to the, <laughs> the other monks uh, much, but he certainly wrote a lot. And he was a very influential thinker and very quite a very deep thinker. He was interested in Buddhism too, even though he's a Christian. And he wrote this book called The Desert Fathers. And in this uh, book, he relates a, a story of one of the uh, the teachers of this group of Hermits, Christian hermits living in the desert, I think around Egypt and, and that area in 400 or 500 AD, so, you know, after the time of Christ, long time after the Christ, time of Christ. And uh, they lived, you know, very much like uh, forest monks in the Buddhist tradition, really. And some of the things that they reflected on, very similar, actually, different interpretation of them, but very similar experiences. And this teacher asked his student, he said, I want you to go to Athens and I want you to um, sit, sit at the gate, the, the main gate to Athens, and to have people, uh, when people come up to you, to pay them. 
to insult you. Give them money to insult you. Absolutely crazy, isn't it? <laughs> and of course, people delighted. <laughs> they really got into it. <laughs> I mean, this is a good way of making money. So they really insulted him, and he paid money to these people. Then after a year, he went back to his teacher. He said, you can stop doing that now. And he said, I want you to go back to the gate at Athens. You don't have to pay people to insult you now. And he sat at the gates of Athens. And then people would insult him or they'd say things to him. And he would laugh. <laughs> he would laugh. He's, and they'd say, why are you laughing? They'd probably be very upset with him. And he said, I used to have to pay for this. <laughs> now I'm getting it for free. <laughs> and I often think, and I'm saying today, you know, Customer relations people are in a very similar situation. They have to deal with these grumpy uh, people who are coming to complain about whatever, the service or the product or so on. And, but if they take that personally, they can't do their job, can they? They have to, they have to come to a realization, this is this person's story. Um, I, I, it's not something that I have to take on personally. They, they, what they do and say doesn't have to trigger an emotion inside me because they just know, no, this has nothing to do with me really, what they're uh, complaining about. Yeah, I'm working for the company, but it's nothing personal. And that way they can deal with it. Otherwise, go home totally stressed, angry, <laughs> feeling like some rubbish bin full of all this stuff that people have dumped on them. Um, but a very successful customer relations person is learning so much about non-self, about these emotions can only be triggered if, if we, uh, well, if they're within us for sure, but they are being, if we take them personally, then we can, they will trigger it. Oftentimes, if we use wisdom, we can say, we can actually understand the situation, that, yeah, they're having a bad day. It's nothing to do with me anyway. And that's often the case, isn't it, with these things, uh, with people, even the people we know in the family. There's different reasons that come up. And if we can understand the causes and conditions that are giving rise to that, it helps for not taking it personally. We can step back a bit and say, oh, well, they're having a bad hair day, yeah. <laughs> and be able to just let it be, not, make, not uh, uh, make too much of it, not take it personally. So, uh, so this is where um, non-self, seeing non-self um, is very, very helpful. It is. And in actual fact, when we realise, if we realise what a prison this feeling of self is, the way we define ourselves, the way we limit ourselves is just so extraordinary. And so when a person gets an understanding of non-self, they can open up to a whole big, a larger range of being, ways of being and responding too. So this is the, uh, and this is the, uh, the means really for letting go of um, wanting, craving, and for becoming awakened. Actually, it's a part of that process, that seeing impermanence, seeing the unsatisfactory nature of life, that we can't get things perfect. <laughs> and 
and then seeing the non-self aspect, then we can let go of all this sense of wanting and craving and we can let go of all those negative emotions too. And that's, that's the way towards awakening. So it's a very deep thing. But even using it um, in daily life, just understanding it and thinking, not, not taking this personally, it probably has nothing, so not that much to do with me, is very, very helpful. So thank you for that very deep question. <laughs> and I uh, hope the answer is... Is that the time? Yes, right. So I think, um, is there, are there any other questions? I think we may end there because it's now uh, nine o'clock. So thank you very much for coming and a lovely way to begin the new year. And may we continue in it. And this, these group meditations um, are very useful because they, they can be very supportive for our meditation practice. So I encourage you to come to uh, this meditation. We also have one on Tuesday night. It's not so guided. It's a, it sounds terrible when you say unguided meditation. <laughs> sounds like it's going off the rails. But uh, there's uh, unguided meditation on Tuesdays and the meditation retreat, as Yasmin mentioned, on Saturday as well. And uh, this year, not next year, this year there will be meditation retreats at uh, Newbury Buddhist Monastery. And so this will be a wonderful opportunity to really develop our practice even further and stop and pause for a brief time. All right, and so now I'd like to, if the, for those who'd like to, we can finish off with paying respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha, uh, just to finish the evening. <laughs>